Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Amen. Just bow your head and close your eyes and just take a moment right now and tell him how much you love him. Just begin to magnify the Lord just with your own words and just expression of what's on your heart. Somebody just go ahead and tell him not because of what he's done or because of anything that he can do, but just because of who he is. Come on, somebody. He's so good. He's so faithful. He's so holy. He's so personal. He's living. He's fullness of joy. He's all-powerful. He loves you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to hear from you. He loves just being with you. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We just take a moment right now in this house and we just love you, Jesus. We just exalt you, Jesus. We just embrace you, Jesus, right now. Each one of us with our own hearts, with our own words, we just embrace you right now, Jesus, for who you are in our life, for the love that you pour into us. We just exalt you, Jesus. I pray today, Lord, that every heart, every mind, every soul in this house be filled with the fullness of who you are, Jesus. May they fully encounter your presence in the fullness of who you are as you embrace them today. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, amen. Grab your Bibles. And, um, and actually, um, if, you, if you have something to write with, um, it would it would be beneficial. I'm, I'm going to uh, really uh, give some instruction this morning, and um, hopefully at the end we'll we'll have a little bit of time to do some ministry time. But um, I'm going to probably uh, give you close to around 30 uh, scripture references today. That uh, I'm not going to be able to read uh, all of them, but I'm going to uh, w- want them to equip you for what you're stepping into. So if you if you need someone, if you need notepad. Look for someone around you that has one and get a piece of paper or borrow a pen. But uh, I encourage you to, to, to write these references down as, as we get into them. So as I said uh, in um, doing the announcements, um, our seven-day corporate fast starts tomorrow. And so... Uh, uh, and, and again, it goes through next Sunday. So we'll be fasting for seven days. And, uh, and I just want to share, uh, share this with you, but uh, I encourage everyone to fast in some way that can. There's a, there's a reason why we have a corporate fast. I'm going to give you some examples, biblical examples of corporate fasts and why they did them. But uh, as a house, the Lord's not just calling uh, me as the pastor to fast or me and the elders or church leaders. Uh, he's called us as a house to fast. He's calling us to start our year as a, as a body corporately, uh, children, young people, teenagers, adults, all of us, into committing the beginning of this year to the Lord in this fast. And so I just want to encourage you to do that, to take these seven days. Um, uh, You will fast differently. We're not establishing that. I'm going to talk about how to fast and all that here in just a little bit, but but I encourage you to fast. And I'm aware of of, uh, medical needs that people have and, and things and medicine they take and have to eat and this and that and whatever, but uh, let it's okay that it looks different, but fast. 
You don't have to have a Snickers. I do know that. We can do without Snickers and uh, maybe soft drinks or whatever that it is. But, uh, but, but figure out what God's calling you to do in, in a way that you can fast and be involved and, and to be able to be on the receiving end of the reward that God's promises through fasting. But I just encourage, encourage you to, to, to do that. And I encourage everyone that can to mark on their calendar. Again, this is a corporate thing. And so I encourage everyone to be here Saturday night. Um, we, well, we can't go out and eat anyways because we're fasting, so we all may as well be here together. So let's worship and let's pray and be in the presence and just be be together. Uh, so be here next Saturday. But I want to I want to share some thoughts on two things today. I want to I want to share some thoughts and talk about consecration and what consecration means and what it looks like. And then I want to just share some principles of fasting. Uh, Biblical scripture, what the Word of God says in examples on fasting. So this is what we're going to step into today. So it's going to be a little bit more uh, instructional of teaching maybe than what I normally do. Uh, but we need to know why we do what we do. Amen? I don't want you to fast because I've asked you to fast. I want you to fast because you know you're called to fast. And I want you to fast corporately because you understand biblically the purpose of a corporate fast and how not only it'll impact you, but your part in the whole body. Amen? And so so this is what we're, what we're kind of going to step into today. But um, I'm going to start here and finish here. Uh, the Lord always gives me, usually, every year, uh, a, a scripture verse uh, for our fast, uh, a, a corporate verse or a couple of verses that I feel like is uh, something for us to focus on through our fast. And uh, this year, the Lord uh, has put Psalm chapter 46 and verse 10 and 11 on my heart. So I'm going to read this. Then I'm going to talk about consecration and fasting, and then we'll finish. We'll come back and finish with why I felt like God's put this verse uh, on our heart as a church body. The Psalm 46 in verse 10 and 11. Uh, and this whole Psalm uh, 46 is just talking about God being one, refuge, our refuge, and two, God being our conqueror. And we sang a lot about that today, that he's our conqueror. Uh, but Psalm 46 and 10, that then the psalmist says, he says, after recognizing that he is our refuge and he is our conqueror, he says in verse 10, be still. Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. And then in verse 11 it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so I love this. I love this verse. Uh, again, I'm going to come back and talk a bit, but, but, but the Lord's dr- highlighted, highlighted uh, 46.10, uh, and the focal point is being still. How many of you find it easy to be still? Anybody find it easy to be still? I am not a still person. Matter of fact, I envy some of you that can uh, lay back in your recliner and take a nap. I can't nap. I am not anointed to even nap. I will try and I'll close my eyes and I get frustrated with myself because my mind thinking about all the things I need to do or can do and I just really want to nap. So then the harder I try to nap and I can't nap, then I get really frustrated that then I end up actually doing more stuff. And sometimes it's hard to be still. But a lot of times in the things that God's calling us to trust him into uh, it's in those moments that we want to do the most that he's calling us to be the stillness. And I feel like corporately as a family and individually as we step into a new year and new things and what God's doing and coming out of 2023 and everything that maybe had happened in that in your life or church or whatever it might be, that the, the, uh, there's a focus and an emphasis that the Lord's highlighting for this house that he's calling us to a place of coming and being still. But you can't just grab that part. The, 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 the importance and the focus in being still is in being still and knowing that he's God. Come on, somebody. 
Because if you're just being still without knowing that he is God, you're going to be full of anxiousness and everything else and worry and blah, blah, blah in that place of stillness. And so these two things are linked together that, I, that I'm encouraging you in as a house that God's highlighted to me as your pastor. He's saying, come into a place in this season during this seven-day fast and just be still. He's going he's gonna to calm the waters. But in that place of stillness, you're meditating in and you're focusing on and your your eyes are locked in in that moment, in that place of stillness of knowing that no matter what's happening in your world, that he is God. Be still and in that stillness, as you're remaining still and resting in me, you will know and in that know that I am God. Amen? Okay, so that's what we're going to come back to in just a, in just a little bit. So I want to talk about consecration consecration and then biblical principles of fasting and uh, and we're just going to grow in our understanding of this today okay amen so it might not be the most uh, exciting sermon that you ever heard but if you'll if you'll grab it and grow and mature in it and walk in it it'll it'll change our life amen and parents I encourage you to take take these scripture verses and and talk to them about your children and let 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 the principle of fasting and the invitation of encountering Jesus through fasting become a normal thing for your children. Amen? Wouldn't you just love your children to come to you several times through the year and say, hey, mom and dad, I think we should fast for two or three days as a family and just seek the Lord. Wouldn't that be awesome? That they understand and see the value in it so much that it becomes a desire of their heart. So let's let them see what the word of God says that can help open up that window of revelation in them. Amen. So consecration. Let me jump in this real quick. Let me, let me say this. In regards to consecration, this is the heart behind this. That, that guys, God moves on, he moves in, and he moves through people who are set apart for him. Amen? So when you see people that are operating in a high-level anointing, like you, 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 you want to say, how, how'd they get that? Or, or, or why is their anointing so strong? Or, how do they stay so strong? All these different things. Well, I'm going to tell you, what, there's a cost for them to be living the way that they're living. And that cost was living a consecrated, set-apart life. Amen? And so this is kind of what pushes us into this. Uh, uh, we know uh, from, from uh, uh, this series that we've done on the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. They shall be filled. Hunger. People that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness and living a life of consecration and being set apart. Come on. This, this, there's this promise and this beatitude that they'll live a filled life. You'll be filled with him. Amen? And then in Galatians, in chapter 5, I'm talking about consecration, church. I'm talking about this place that God's calling us to, to, be, to become set apart. And so in Galatians 5, it talks about this. This battle that we have between the flesh and the spirit. How many you know this is all of us? Right? All of us. There's a battle of this flesh and the spirit. And sometimes we can come in on a Sunday and the anointing be so strong and 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 we can just we feel so vibrant and, and stuff is shifted in us and we feel lighter and our spirit is just is, is just strengthened. And then somehow later on that day, something happens, man, and our flesh rises up. Our attitude changes, our perspective changes, and this there's this battle, whatever that it is. But you know, this is what Paul's talking about in, in Galatians there. But but this is what I want to bring us to because uh, it's important for us to see what we're called to do. But in verse 24, uh, there in Galatians 5, it says, Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, guys, consecration is what we do. Like there's a, there's a work that we have to do. Like the scripture says, faith without works is dead. We're not saved by works, but we grow and mature by works, by biblical works, by our pursuit of the Lord. Blessed are those who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, not for the flesh, for they shall be fed. You have to labor in that. 
Like it didn't come naturally. We don't just come into the kingdom of God and, and repent and let the Lord change our life and then wake up every day and go to work and do the yard work or do, do this or that. Like, like time within itself will never change your life. You'll never grow in empowerment and anointing just through time. So there's this labor that we've been called into of consecration, of regularly pressing in and hungering for righteousness. And, and as Paul said here in Galatians 5, 6, that because of this battle of our flesh and the spirit, that's going to be there until we're with Jesus face to face, that we learn to crucify the flesh. So, so again, this is something that we do, and, and we learn to do it daily. It's consecration. Amen. It, it, it means to be set apart. And then... We're familiar with this scripture in, in Romans in chapter 12 in verse 1 and 2. And again, this isn't something that we do one time and then we're good, man. This is the Romans 12 and 1 and 2 is, the, is a lifestyle of consecration that he calls us into, guys. And this is what he says. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. A lot of times we want to present our gifts to the Lord and think that our gifts, our gifts are going to please him enough. Come on, man. Whether it's our worship, whether it's an instrument we play or, or our teaching gift or a preaching gift or serving or outreach or whatever that it is, man. But let me tell you, those things won't go anywhere without you being a living sacrifice inside. And so he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, or that word conformed means shaped. So don't be shaped uh, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I'm just sharing with you that this is our responsibility, uh, 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 this responsibility of consecration and, 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 and setting ourselves apart uh, and, and offering our bodies as this living sacrifice, amen? And so what, we, what I want us to see is that we've got to be intentional in this. And so corporately, we're being intentional right now in January at the beginning of the year for these eight days to say, Lord, we're going to consecrate ourselves. We're going to change how we live in these seven days, God. We're going to turn our TV off. We're going to spend time with you. We're going to learn to be still. We're going to press in. We're going to lay ourselves before you and ask you, Lord, to reveal if there's anything impure in us, God. Lord, reveal my heart, God. Let me see, God, if there's any wicked way within me, Lord, that I could repent, that I could lay that thing down at your feet. And we're just going to learn to sit before him, and allow him to begin to purify us from the inside. It's a time of a time of coming away and just being still be, be, before him. Amen. All through this, again, this renewing, this renewing of our mind. Fasting renews the mind. I love it. One, I just love January and generally, other than it being freezing cold and dark at like two o'clock. That's annoying. But I, for one, love it because November and December just are, are just like psh, full speed, man. And I love being with people, but I also like being by myself. Anybody else? Yeah. Right? And so it's like, wow, after all of the parties and the get-togethers and the busyness of all that we do in November and December, and then all of a sudden we come into New Year's and then here's January, and it's like, ah. Oh, we can just breathe a little bit. Now we know we need a time just to be still. So to me, that's what this corporate fast is, and this is what the Lord calls us to. And part of fasting is, and in that is renewing the mind. It's taking those times, and when you're working, and you're at, you're at break at work, or you're at lunch at work, instead of maybe doing some of the things that you would normally do, you try to find a way to get away a little bit and get by yourself and, and just read the Word of God or just bow your head and close your eyes and spend time in prayer, and, but just really, really, really taking this time to quiet our inner man. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to quiet your inner man because it gets really loud. It gets really noisy. 
And it's like, okay, Lord, I just need to quiet this right now. I need to be still before you. Amen. That last week I was in, we were in worship and I was praying over someone and I knew that the Lord had already given me this, uh, this verse, Psalm 46, 10 and 11 for our corporate fast. But, but, um, the Lord gave me, uh, showed me, uh, someone in our church family to pray with. And he, he, he highlighted that verse. And, and as I was, as I was, um, praying over them the lord showed me two showed me two things that they were doing they were in their own house and in their own house, they were closing all of the windows. The windows were open. And they were going around the house, and they were closing. Your house is your personal space. It's everything familiar to you. But yet, even in that familiar place, a lot of times, there's noise coming in from outside places. And so the Lord showed me this, this, this individual, and they were walking around the house, and they were literally closing every window to stop all the noise that was coming in. And then I watched them go into a room in their house and kneel before the Lord. And as they kneeled before the Lord, I got this picture of a lake. And the best I could explain it is we, we, you guys have seen pictures of lakes like in Alaska, right? Just the beauty of it. But it almost looks like it's frozen solid with ice because it's so smooth. And that's the picture that I saw in this individual's life was as they begin to close the windows in their home during this season of consecration and being set apart. Amen. And, and, and you guys understand what that means, right? You, our windows aren't open right now, like naturally. But how many you know we got some spiritual windows and things and, and sounds that are coming into our world that we just need to shut down right now? And, and then as that happened, and as, as this individual went and became still before the Lord, knowing that he was God, then, I, then that lake appeared that was just like, didn't have a ripple in it. So beautiful. It's the peace of the Lord. And so this is the, are the things that, that I feel like God is calling us into. I just want to define, uh, you guys good so far? Everybody good? So I just want to define consecration uh, a little bit so you kind of know what it means. I'm sure most of you already do, but we just need to be reminded. But this word, this word consecrate is the act of setting apart for God's use. It's very simple. It is one that acts, so it's an action. It's, there's movement in it. Of, I'm moving from here to there. I'm getting away from something. I'm pushing things away from me in this moment, but I'm getting set apart for God's use. It is to, to give priority to spiritual things over, over physical things, over the flesh. It is taking a season of time and giving priority to the spiritual. Amen. Um, it is, it's, a, it's a conscious, willing decision to dedicate your soul, your mind, your heart, and your body to God, to truly uh, become a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, that, is, that is pleasing to God. Um, it's, it's surrendering. It's that a time, a committed time of surrendering all that you have to him. Um, I like to think of it like this. Uh, it is de dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus over your life. How many of you know we switch places a lot? Anybody else? Come on. It's just real life. We don't want to. We don't do it intentionally. But a lot of times I find myself in the driver's seat and not the Lord. Man, he drives way better than I do. But I feel like it's coming to this place of saying, okay, Lord, I need you. I'm enthroning you in, as Lord of my life. I'm coming under your leadership, Jesus. I'm coming under your lordship, Jesus. Amen. I'm fully submitting to you. Do anything and everything in me that needs to be done, Lord. Right? Correct me, heal me, empower me, equip me. You know, purify my heart, God. And so it's dethroning yourself and enthroning Jesus over your life. I'm telling you, there's things that you've been thinking that you've been seeing that, that you thought were right and they're wrong. But when you, when you dethrone yourself and enthrone Jesus, you'll begin to see those things clearly. Amen? It is 
leaning in and being fully dependent upon him. It's truly like this life of consecration is really the lifestyle that Jesus calls us to in the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Like when you really read through that, man, it is a, it's an everyday, every moment lifestyle, and it's a lifestyle of consecration and living and being set apart. Amen? And so, Grateful for that. Um, I want to just kind of give an ex- read an example to you real quick. But I'm going to read out of Joshua just a few verses here. It's Joshua um, chapter three and verse uh, one through five. Joshua chapter. I'm going to go ahead and read it because uh, I got a lot to get through this morning. So I just encourage you to write down these verses. But this is what happens. Joshua rose early in the morning. And they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was that after three days the officers went through the camp, and they uh, commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall uh, set out from your place and go after it." I would, I would encourage you to underline that if you're reading it, that where it says, go after it. That would maybe be a whole other sermon, but how many of you sometimes you got to go after it? And yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Now here's verse 5. And Joshua says to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So let's just grab this real quick and put this in context. We're talking about consecration, right? The importance of of being set apart and living set apart. So here in Joshua 3, this is how Joshua addressed the children of Israel as he was preparing them to cross the Jordan River uh, into the the promised land. And I I want you to understand something. This 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 was his first command to the people as their leader. This is Joshua's first command to the people as their leader. And this is what he says here in verse 5. He says, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What I'm talking about, what I'm talking about in consecration is I'm talking about the duty that we've been called to do. This is our responsibility It's our responsibility to consecrate ourselves, to put ourselves in position to be set apart, to be consecrated, to to hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we shall be filled. And here, Israel had the Jordan River standing between them and their problems. It was a situation that was impossible. They could not get from A to B on their own. They knew the only way that they could experience that was God working through their life. And Joseph, uh, uh, Joshua knew that, and he had heard from the Lord. So he goes to them, he calls to them, he gathered them all together, and he says, consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow you're going to see this thing happen. And so what I want us to take away from this in consecration, and, and I, I like this verse here in, in Joshua 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, because it, it, it clearly outlines our part of the process and God's part. So what's our part? See, a lot of times we're not crossing the Jordan because we're not doing our part. A lot of times we're not experiencing the breakthrough because we're just sitting waiting for God to do what only God can do. But the truth of the matter is, man, if you want to experience breakthrough at a high level, if you want to experience the full glory of God in your life and the fullness of him and be filled the way that it says in Matthew chapter 5 and 6, there, there's a, it, it, it comes at a, at a lifestyle of consecration in times of being set apart. And so what we see here from Joshua is that our part is consecration. Our part is repentance. Our part is surrender. Our part is being set apart. Our heart is is making sure that our, that our heart is right and pure before the Lord. Amen. It is, it, is our, it, it is our place of sometimes coming and being still before the Lord and knowing that he is God. And this is what, what Joshua was calling them to. And then we know what God's part is. God's part was to do the wonders. God's part was the wonder. 
God's part's the breakthrough. His part is the chain breaker you sang about today. But I'm going to tell you what, you'll keep going day after day and week after week and month after month, and that chain will remain as tight as it ever was every day unless you do your part of consecration. So our part, our part is laying before the Lord. It's being set apart. It's allowing ourselves to be fully before Him and, and with the pureness and, and, and holiness and righteousness in a pure-hearted mind saying, God, see if there be any wicked way in me. And if there is, Lord, I want that thing out. And I need to hear you, Lord, so I'm closing every window right now in my house so that there's no outside noise coming in, God. And I'm going to take some time, and I'm going to make some sacrifices, and I'm going to consecrate myself, and I'm going to get before you, and I'm going to get still, God. And I don't want to hear what I think is right or what I hope for, God, but I want to hear from you, God. I want you, Lord. I want your will. I want your way. And then God will do his part and have me know he's a wonder-working God. Amen? Same thing that he did for them, he'll do for you. So we have that example. And then um, I'm not going to read it for time reasons, but you know, you guys know in Joel, the prophet Joel, in chapters 1 and in chapters 2, um, 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 in, in, in preparing for the day of the Lord, you know, that Joel says to the people, he says, guys, you're going to have to consecrate a fast. You're going to have to consecrate a fast. You're going to have to call a, 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 a sacred assembly. So we see this time of, of, of this corporate assembly coming together because they needed a corporate move of God. So he says, do it corporately. And then Joe says, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart. Turn to me with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments. Amen. Joel's chapters 1 and chapter 2. And so, so we see this lifestyle of consecration and fasting all through, all through the Scripture. And, um, but here's a key, and, and please, please grab this so that you're not aiming at something that you shouldn't be aiming at. But, but hear, hear this. Consecration and fasting isn't designed to move God. It's real important that you know that. It's designed to move you. So when you know it's designed to, to, to move you, then in your fasting, you're going to be looking at all the ways that God's moving you. Amen? You'll gain a whole lot of personal revelation about yourself if you step into consecration and fasting with this mindset of God, you're moving me. And what areas of my life do I need to be moved in? It's about, it's to, it's, to, it's to change your heart posture before him and to be still before him. So he calls us to these, to these times of, of specific consecration, and then yet we still live a lifestyle every day of consecration and being set apart and crucifying our flesh. So, so this is I just what I feel like the heartbeat and the, and the target and the goal of what God's calling us into corporately. Amen? He's going to purify our hearts. How many will agree with me that he's going to purify your heart? How many believe, how many agree with me that he's going to bring healing into your heart? How many will agree with me that as you consecrate yourself and you do your part that he is going to be the chain breaker in your life? Amen? Amen? And so we step into that, Lord, and we give you our yes. So I want to talk about now about uh, just some principles of fasting and teach on fasting just a little bit uh, so you can have references and know what to go to and, and really see what the scripture says about it. And so um, anyway, I'm going to give about 26 or 27 scripture verses, so I can't read them all. I'm going to quote most of them or, or we would be here uh, too, too long today, but I'm, I'm going to equip you for your own, uh, own Bible study that's going to give you great things to dig into over these next seven days uh, starting, starting tomorrow. But principles of fasting. Okay, let's dive in. We know that from our Sermon on the Mount series this past fall that Matthew 6 uh, Jesus lists five uh, spiritual disciplines that equip us for kingdom living or empower us for kingdom living. Okay, so I'll go back to them. Remember that? 
it, it, he had the five, the first, the five beatitudes, and then, and then he talks about that's a lifestyle. When you live that lifestyle, then the the um, the uh, uh, the result of that is that you're going to be the salt in uh, the light of the earth, right? And then he gives, uh, and then he gives uh, six warnings, six things. Uh, that he says are going to be obstacles for you fulfilling the Beatitudes. Remember that? And he goes in, he talks about sexual purity, he talks about anger, uh, he talks about um, all those things. Here I am going back and re-preaching my sermon again. And so the eight Beatitudes, uh, the six warnings, and then, he, and then after the warnings, then he gives the five spiritual disciplines that are to be a regular part of our life that empower us to live out that kingdom lifestyle. So we're familiar with that. And so Right after Jesus teaching on the discipline of prayer and the power of prayer, right after that, he goes into uh, Matthew 6, verse six, uh, 16 through 18. So write that down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. And I'm going to read it to you so you don't have to turn to it. But this is what it says here. Again, he's just he's establishing these disciplines. He's, he's given us the vehicle, man, to drive in, to stay near him and to be able to live this kingdom lifestyle. And then now after prayer, he says in, in chapter 6, 16, he says, now guys, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites, which with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you that they have the reward. In other words, if you're just doing things outwardly to get man's attention, you're going to get man's attention that's going to make you feel good, and that's going to be the depth of your reward. Okay? So Jesus says, don't do that because that's not going to take you anywhere. But then he says this, and here's the instruction, one of the most powerful verses that draw us into this beautiful invitation of fasting, and it says this, but you... When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you don't appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Isn't that powerful? Let me ask you a question right now. Who should fast? Should everyone in here fast? Should you be teaching your children how to fast? Yeah. Don't. Don't. Don't make them do a 21-day no food or water fast. They'll never want to fast again, and they won't like you. But let them know that you're going to be fasting sugar for a couple days. Maybe you're going to fast TV shows for an evening for three days, and instead of watching TV each night, you're going to have family devotion time and just talk about Jesus. Whatever that it is. You're going to begin to teach him what it looks like. And, and I'm going to tell you, you're going to learn because Jesus says that in these verses that he'll be a rewarder of that. And they're going to experience his reward. You're going to get that in there. And so, but I want us to see, all of us are called into this place of consecration. And there, there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of things that happen in us that will only happen through consecration and fasting. So this, this is for all of us. So, so here's three, three uh, key things that are highlighted, that Jesus highlights here in, in, the, in the principles of fasting. And the first one that he lays out is this. He says, when you fast, okay? In other words, he was talking about prayer, and we all know that all of us need prayer. The invitation to prayer is for all of us. All of us have an open line of communication to communicate intimately with the Lord. What a great gift. Everyone knows that prayer is a great gift. Why does everyone not know that fasting is a great gift? Because fasting costs more than prayer does. But it'll also take you places that prayer alone can't. You remember the disciples trying to deliver the one boy from the demon that the father brought to him, and they couldn't get the job done, and then Jesus comes in later, and he's, he's talking to them a little bit. But one thing he says in there, he says, this only can be done through prayer and fasting. There's a level of anointing that can only come on your life through consecration and fasting. Amen? And it's something that, again, just like Israel, that Joshua said, okay, everybody consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow, God's going to do his part if we do our part. His part's the wonder, our part's being set apart. 
Amen? So this is all of us individually that God calls us into a lifestyle of, of fasting. And so, one, he says, when you fast, when you fast. And again, this is, should be a regular part. And it's something that we should be doing individually all throughout the year unto the Lord. And it's also something that we should have times of the year that we do corporately as the Lord calls us to a corporate fast for, for a specific purpose. Amen? Which is what's going to happen tomorrow through Sunday night. Amen? Okay, so praise Jesus. Everybody say glory to God. Some of you did not say it. Amen. All right. And then, so that's one. Number two, he says that, that it's to be done unto the Lord and not to man. That's some, two important principles. One, we're all called to fast. Number two, when you do it, don't do it unto men. It can only be done unto God. If you do it unto men, you're going to get men's reward, Jesus says. But if you do it unto me, then what I see in, in secret, I'm going to reward you openly. So, so I'll carry that on a little bit more and say this. Um, you can't do it for your spouse. It will exhaust you, and, and it's not going to be beneficial. So we can't do it for men's attention. We can't do it to make men happy. We can't do it to appease our spouse. It's got to be something that we know that we're called to do and that we step into. Amen? There are times throughout the year where, where, where Lori will fast. There's times where I'll fast that she doesn't even know I'm fasting and vice versa. There's times where something will happen maybe with our family or with our children, and we'll talk about it and we'll say, hey, do you want to fast for a day or two together about this thing? We come in agreement in it. But I'll never fast just because Lori wants me to fast. Amen? Now, normally when she wants me to, I do because I want what she wants. So we always end up usually with the same decision. Come on, someone. But you're getting my point, right? So, 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 so if, I guess what I'm saying, one thing, wives, don't pressure your husbands into fasting for the next seven days just to make you happy. But encourage them to for themselves because they're called to this just like you are and we are. Amen? And so, so two, one, one. We're all called to it. Two, we do it unto the Lord and not to man. And then the third thing that he reveals is what's so powerful in this. How many know he's a promise keeper? Like if anyone, if anyone will ever keep your word, Jesus is going to keep his word. Amen? And so then he says, and he gives this promise, and he says, the Father who sees in secret reward you openly. I just want to make a comment about that and, and why, I, why I ask um, with such passion that everyone in the church that can fast in some way for these seven days because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I believe that there's, there's individual fasts that result in an individual reward, and I believe there's corporate fasts that result in a corporate reward. How many of you want a corporate reward over this house for 2024? How many of you want a corporate reward over this house. for How many of you want what the Father sees in secret over the next seven days? That's, he's going to release corporately his favor and reward over this family and this house and what we do in 2024. Amen? So those are three powerful things that, that you need to know about as, as you step into fasting. And Amen? And can I just say this, uh, maybe a perspective to look at fasting. I know uh, early on when I was younger, one, I'm real, I'm real uh, grateful for my upbringing. I've been, I was raised in, in church my whole life, and I was taught the, the, the principles of Scripture, and, and it laid such a powerful foundation in my life that I'm so grateful for. But one thing that I, that I never remember being taught or that was never a, a normal practice in my upbringing in church was fasting, so I knew nothing about it. And then even as I grew older and, and, and become a part of a church, when I would hear about fasting, I would think, well, yeah, of course the pastor needs to fast. That obviously was before I was a pastor because he's the anointed one and he needs to hear from God and blah, 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 blah. And then so I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't fully under, understand it. And so as I began, and then, and then Lori, Lori, she came on, uh, you know, quicker than I did and was filled with the Holy Ghost before me. And she was a fireball and that fire has never dimmed. So she wanted to do fasting early on before I even knew what it was about. And I'm like, well, I don't think I like this very well. This is not fun. And it was kind of a duty to me until I understand what it was. Come on, somebody. And can I just say, fasting is no longer a duty to me. It is an invitation. And a lot of times when I fast, um, 
there's actually a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to use the word disappointment, but like when it's over with, I'm kind of like, Ugh, I don't want to go back to eating again. There's, there's such an encounter at times. And I'm going to say it's always different. There, there's been some, lo- some fasts that I've been on that were very strategic and, and led of the Lord. And man, I, I had encounters with him that I just, it's hard to even talk about. And I've gone through and done our 21-day our fast before, and they were beautiful. I, I feel, I, that, that lake was peaceful, and I found rest, and I was still. But in the, in the moment of through that season of fast, nothing, nothing dynamic happened to me. Anybody else? Right? Like in the moment it was good and I knew I drew near and he was near and I definitely fed from it. But but you know what? I did I, I didn't necessarily in that moment experience the reward of him. How many know the reward will always come? Amen. And so so I want you to look at fasting church and to teach your children that man, this is an invitation. Just like prayer is an invitation to commune in intimacy with the Lord, prayer is an invitation to encounter Him more. Fasting is an invitation to encounter Him more. It's a beautiful thing that, that He has called us into. Amen? And so, everybody good? All right. All right. I'm going to give you a whole bunch here in just a moment, uh, but let me say this real quick. Uh, let's just define it, okay? Biblical fasting uh, definition. Voluntary abstinence from food uh, or, or certain drinks, okay, uh, replaced with prayer and time in the word for the purpose of posturing our hearts and minds before the Lord. Okay, so biblically, I know, I know people, uh, uh, they'll, they'll fast Facebook, which I would encourage you to uh, uh, perpetually fast Facebook for the rest of your life. Um, uh, you will be better at the end of it. Uh, and I, I think doing that's a good thing. Um, I think, I think along with our fast, fasting, uh, stuff on TV, music, whatever, I, I, I think, I think all that stuff is good because I, I think it's part of, but to me, those things are more part of the consecration that we're setting ourselves apart. And in setting ourselves apart, I'm going to have my TV off. And I'm just going to be sitting still, and I'm going to be studying, I'm going to be reading, I'm going to be praying, I'm just going to be listening, come on, man, right? I'm going to be very intentional of what I have coming into me, right? And, uh, but biblically, a biblical fast is abstinence from food and, and different types of drinks for a season of time for the purpose of posturing our hearts and minds before the Lord. Amen? And so what we know about this then in consecration and fasting and this season that we do in January is it's just good to disconnect from the world as much as possible. Amen? So one thing I look forward to every year when we do this is to me, this is a good time of reset for me. I just need a reset, right? I need a realignment. I need a realignment. Usually by this time of the year, things aren't smooth in my life, right? You go and you take your vehicle in and you get brand new tires put on that thing and you get, you get them balanced and you get them aligned and you pull out of there and like you get on the road to start to pull off and it's like you are riding on glass. It is so sweet, but before you get home, you're already going to go over something rough that's going to start to throw that thing out just a little bit. And then you drive it and you drive it. It's inevitable that, 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 that as you're doing what it's equipped to do, that things are going to get out of balance. And those tires are going to need to be realigned. And it's the same thing with our heart and with our life and with our mind, that we need these times of biblical fasting and consecration to just hit the reset, to be still before the Lord, which is what God's called us to. Psalm 46, 10, and 11 is our verse as a church for these next seven days, and to know that he is God. And in that knowing, there's a reset and a release and a breaking away of the things in us that don't belong. Amen. It's healthy and it's healing, and I'm excited to step into it in Jesus' name. Amen? And so it's, it's, it's spending time with him. Fasting is all about seeking the Lord. So if, you're, if, you, if you don't know much about fasting or learning about it, here, here's something that you, need, that you need to truly, truly know in this, that in fasting, in going without 
certain foods and drinks or whatever for whatever set amount of time that God puts your heart. Doing a biblical fast, um, it's it's the attitude or posture of the heart sincerely seeking the Lord to which God will respond. Okay? So it's going to be the posture of your heart and your mind and in what it's pursuing during that biblical fast that's going to move God in your life. So without the pursuit of seeking the Lord in the fast, posturing yourself to be still before him, posturing yourself in humility for the Lord to reveal in you things that need to be released from you, all those things, then you're just going to be on a diet. It's just going to be, a, you're just going to be going without food and there's not going to be any, any spiritual growth or change and increase in the fast. Ultimately, will just be a distraction. It'll be frustrating to you because you're just going to be focused the whole time on not eating, right? But when you're doing it unto the Lord, those first days, that first day or two, you know, your stomach will growl and you'll, you, your flesh will hurt a little bit because what I found a lot of times is it's not the food that I miss, it's what comes along with the food. It's the people, it's the fellowship, it's the entertainment and all that come along with it. And so, but I'm telling you, if you'll seek the Lord in it, and if, if you'll posture your heart, like if today you'll begin to say, Lord, I'm going to dive into this thing. I'm going to consecrate myself. I want to be set apart. I want you to do wonder. And for you to do wonder, I know that I need to do my part, God. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I just want to encounter more of you. I want this thing to lift or whatever that is. God, I just want to get close to you. I'm going to consecrate myself and set myself apart. And today you begin to mentally get yourself prepared so that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're, you're setting yourself apart. You're in, you're in a season of consecration and you're fasting for the next seven days. Amen? And, you're, and your eyes and your heart are locked on him and he is the one that you're pursuing in it. Amen? Amen. Um, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um. Let me give you one more verse, and then I'm going uh, to break down all the different biblical um, examples of fasting really quickly. Hebrews 11 and 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How many you know he's a rewarder? But you know what, this ver- what happens in this verse? I link this verse to Psalm 46, 10, and 11 because Psalm 46, 10, and 11 says to be still, but not just to be still, but be still in what? Know that he is God. This verse says without faith it's impossible to please him, but that he who comes to him must what? Know that he is. Know that he is what? That he is everything. So that in that place of stillness, not no matter what you have going on, that you are resting in that place of stillness, knowing that God is, that he is present. He is waymaker. He is healer. He is provider. He is in all of those things. So it's in the knowing, in the resting in the knowing that he is, that the reward begins to be released into your life and your position rightly to receive the reward. Amen? Okay. Amen. Is the clock wrong or is it 11.52? It is 11.52? It is 11.52. Can you write fast? Because I'm about to talk fast. You ready? Okay. Different types of fasts. Number one, I think I'm going to give you five. Number one, um, absolute fast. An absolute fast is, is, is biblical fast where they fasted no food or water for a period of time. Deuteronomy 9.9, Moses fasted 40 days, no bread or water. Ezra 10 and 6, Ezra fasted no food and water for three days. Um, Esther 4.16, Esther and all the Jews fasted for three days with no food and water. Okay, so you have the absolute fast. Then you have the partial fast um, in Daniel 10 and, and, and 3, where Daniel fasted 21 days with no meat or wine. It, it's what was, is recognized as a Daniel fast, which is no meat, no sweets, no sugar, mainly just water and fruits and vegetables. Okay, and that was a 21-day Daniel fast. So that's a partial fast. And then, and then the third, uh, the third uh, type of fast that we see 
that I've already talked a little bit about is a corporate fast. So we need to see these examples biblically. So the corporate fast. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 5 and 6, Samuel called all of Israel to Mizpah to fast. In Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 through 23, Ezra called for a corporate fast for all the people. In Joel, in chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, the prophet Joel called for a corporate fast. In Jonah, in chapter 3, in verse 5 through 10, the people of Nineveh proclaimed a corporate fast. Amen? So we see that. So we see, we see absolute fast, we see partial fast, and then in those two, we see corporate fast, and then the fourth one then, then is we see individual fast. Times where, where the Lord led individuals to fast. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 15 to 16, you'll see David fasted. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 27 to 29, you'll see that Ahab fasted. You'll see in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3 that Daniel fasted. Um, you'll see in Luke chapter 2, and I love this one, you should read it. Verse 36 to 37, the prophet Anna fasted. Fasted. So we see these biblical examples of corporate fast and individual fast. And in those two fasts, we see where they, they had absolute fast and at times they had partial fast. So those things are all broken down right there. And the next thing I just want to share with you biblically that you can see are the links of fast. The links of fast. So in Daniel chapter 6, everyone's going to like this one. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 18, King David fasted fasted for one night, or the king fasted for one night. I don't know about you, but I like that fast. Amen? In Judges chapter 20 and verse 26, Israel fasted for the day from, from, uh, from sun up to sundown. And then Esther in 4.6, uh, they fasted three days and three nights. In 1 Samuel in chapter 31 and verse 13, the valiant men fasted uh, for seven days. In 2 Samuel chapter 12 and 18, David fasted for seven days. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and the sailors fasted 14 days on that journey. Um, Daniel chapter 10, we talked about this, verse 3 through 13. Daniel's fast was a 21-day fast. And then we know Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all fasted 40 days and nights. 40 days and nights. So all through Scripture, we see the principles of pow and power of, of fasting individually and corporately, that it's not just something we make up or that we do, but we see it. We see how God worked through it. We saw that, that, that it is the, was the responsibility of the believers individually and corporately, and, and God's responsibility was the wonder. And the work, amen? So we see this all through people drawing near. Now, uh, I'll finish with this. Examples of why people fasted. Just a few examples, because this will help you throughout the year uh, in individual fast. But um, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 17, um, led by the Spirit, Jesus, a 40-day fast in the wilderness, prepared him for ministry. In Acts, in chapter 14 and verse 23, some of the disciples prayed and fasted for wisdom in appointing uh, elders to the church, which is, what we did, which is what we did today. And then in Nehemiah, in chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4, Nehemiah fasted and prayed out of grief. He was so overwhelmed with grief and compassion for the condition of Jerusalem and the Jewish people that it drove him to time and season of fasting and prayer and of seeking the Lord. How beautiful is that? And then in Ezra, in chapter 8, verses 21 through 23, Ezra proclaimed a fast for protection over the people to humble themselves and to seek the Lord for the right way. Can I just tell you this morning that it's good to fast when you have a big decision to make. Amen? They had a big decision. They needed the Lord's guidance in that situation, and they called the fast, and they all dug in together. In Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, the people of Nineveh fasted and prayed as a sign of repentance and turning their hearts to God. 
In Judges chapter 20 and verse 26, Israel fasted and prayed for the Lord to give them victory over their enemy because they needed a breakthrough. Can I tell you somewhere, throughout Scripture, uh, you'll see fasting brought breakthrough for God's people. Individually, when they would get a hold of God and knew that they needed Him and they consecrated and they fasted, God showed up. And we see so many times corporately where they called a sacred assembly together and they fasted and they prayed and they consecrated. They needed a miracle. They needed a breakthrough. And the breakthrough come through the power of prayer and fasting. Again, guys, this isn't a duty or command that God calls us to. This is an invitation he invites us into to encounter him in greater depths in our lives. What a beautiful gift that he's given us in the power of prayer and fasting. Amen? It's beautiful. I go all the way back to to the, to the scripture that I opened up with uh, of the battle of the flesh. Guys, our flesh is nasty and it needs to be killed. And a lot of times we can kill that flesh through the flesh hurting by being hungry from things that we sacrifice. And in that biblical fast, we're seeking the Lord with a pure heart and God moves on our behalf. Amen? Actually, I would say he moves us on his behalf. Because it's about positioning us, not about positioning him. Isn't that good? Okay, how do I want to finish this? And let, let me say this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over all of us. But, um, I mean, Pastor Jim, I think I'll just have you uh, play something on the keyboard, maybe, or the piano, whatever you feel most led to. Okay. So can, can you just hear this, hear, hear this from your pastor? Grab this. This is a truth that, that I want... I want our children to know in this church, and I want all of you to know in this church, this, is a, this, is a, this truth is a gift. There's a level of power and anointing that we can never experience without being led into the wilderness. Coming away from everything to seek the Lord in, in fasting and prayer. It is, it is giving, you giving of yourself and the desires of your, of your flesh for a season of, of seeking and, and ultimately relying on the Lord. And this is what, he, what he's called us into. Amen. Amen. Any good? Isn't it amazing that he loves us so much that he, he made ways for us to get closer to him? Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Isn't it amazing how personal your God is? He's like, I know what they're going to go through, and I know what that flesh is going to do in them. It's like, ah, I know what the answer is. When they commune with me, everything changes. When they commune with me, everything changes. Ah, I'm going to invite them to spend time with me. And I'm going to invite them to kill their flesh. It's a silly thing to think that God could move us closer to him just by not eating food and drinking stuff. But there's something about it that he's anointed and he knows, he knows the part that that stuff plays in our life and the strength that we draw from it and the dependency that we have in it. That he says, you know what, through this invitation of fasting, food and beverages, whatever that it is, and killing our flesh, I'm gonna meet them and if they don't do it for men, but they do it for me, what I see that mama doing in the secret place, I'm going to reward her openly. His reward is supernatural. It's a favor, it's a release of heaven in your life that could not come any other way. Think about that. It's worth getting in that secret place. It's worth killing the flesh, amen? And so... I back up and say, man, a lot of times the churches will we'll sing, we'll sing loud about God doing his part. But a lot of times we won't even whisper about the part that God's called us to. And the part that he's called us to is having a pure heart. It's being set apart. It's consecrating. And it's being okay not being in control. And it's coming under his submission and authority and submitting to him and gradually over these next seven days. Can I tell you, you, don't, you, don't de- you won't dethrone yourself in the first day. 
you'll start to dethrone yourself in the first day. Then you're going to learn that on the second day, there's more of you to be dethroned. There's more of you that need to be dethroned. All through the process of it, you're going to be dethroning and you're going to be enthroning him. Amen. And he's going to be a rewarder of it in the end. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching this house the importance of fasting and the gift and the invitation that you've given us to encounter you. Amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering and just thank him? Amen. 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 I have you stand with me, if you would, please. I want to pray over you. And uh, I tell you what, I'm going to have uh, a few of the elders that can. When I close in prayer, because every, every time we gather, I know there's needs that need to be met. And I don't want you to leave if you need prayer. So just for a few moments after I close in prayer, um, I'm going to have a few of the elders, and I, I can be down here too, and we would invite you just to come with, and we'll be happy to pray with you. But I, I, want to, I think I want to close out like this, um, <clears throat> praying over this house that we be set apart over the next seven days starting tomorrow. Amen. And that the Lord lead us in it. And uh, our children receive, our young people, each and every one of us. God gave me this verse this past week for you, for this house, to be your target for this seven-day fast. And God said, to be still. To be still. Get at a place where you're being still. Close the windows and get everything quiet around you. And as you're still... Know that I am God. Know that I am God. Be still. Come, coming to a place of stillness, consecration, fasting, knowing that He is God and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. And He is going to draw you nearer to Him in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me pray that over you. So God, we thank you for this house. We thank you for this body. I thank you for people that are hungry for you, God. I thank you for people that are willing to do their part, God. I, I thank you for a family that doesn't see biblical principles as a duty, but they see it as an invitation, a way, a pathway to encounter more of you, God. I thank you for a disciplined people, God. I thank you for a people that are becoming even more disciplined in their pursuit of you, God. People that are daily being consecrated and daily, daily setting themselves apart. Daily allowing their minds to be renewed as they press in closer to you, God. People that are learning to be still before you, God. I thank you for this house. I thank you for a, I thank you for a mature family, God that understands their part. They're not lazy. They're not just going through life. They're not just, just hanging out, not doing anything, expecting you to do your part and them not do their part. I thank you for a disciplined house, God, of people that are rightly pursuing you and living in obedience in Jesus' name. So God, I pray for consecration. I pray for this house to be set apart. I pray for strongholds to be broken. I pray for sin to be broken out of people's lives, God. I pray for heaviness to be lifted. I pray for confusion to be gone. I pray for clarity. I pray for revelation. I pray for hearts to be pure in Jesus' name, God. I pray for fresh vision and revelation. We pray for nearness of you, Jesus. Above all, we seek you. We want you. You are our refuge, and we're locking eyes with you, God. Lord, if there be any wicked way in any of us, if there be anything impure in any of us, Lord, over these next seven days, Lord, may you reveal them to us, speak them to us, show them to us, Lord, so that we can release them to you as we consecrate ourselves. Because we know that your word says that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we're going to be filled with it, Lord. So I just bless this house in consecration and in fasting over the next seven days. I pray that they have grace and strength, each one of them, to fulfill the fast that you put on their heart, God. And we receive Psalm 4610, that God, we will make a way in these next seven days to be still to silence things, to be quiet, 
and just be still, and in that, to lock eyes with you. Things have gotten our attention. They've gotten our eyes off of you, and we've seen them more than we've seen you. So we're going to be still, and we're going to lock eyes with you and know that you are God. And we ask you to help us walk it out, Lord. Help us in our time of consecration and fasting as we seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Bless you all. Have an awesome week. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 